You're listening to Reach, a podcast created for professional bloggers to help you expand your reach and maximize your bottom line. I'm your host, Val Geisler, fellow blogger and marketer at ConvertKit. Running a blog or any business full-time is a roller coaster ride for sure. There are funnels to consider, families to support, and you often have to decide, do you really have to be everywhere always? Abby and Donnie Lawson are no strangers to this roller coaster. They've even developed some ways to hang on and enjoy the ride over the years. Abby and Donnie are the creators behind Just a Girl and her blog, where they write about organization, home decor, and blogging and online business. They live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with their two sons, Connor and Caleb. In this conversation, Abby and Donnie share why they don't think you have to be everywhere always, how Abby went from a stay-at-home mom to a professional blogger who ended up hiring her husband, and the one question you need to ask yourself about your business to know if you can survive. If you find yourself feeling inspired by today's interview and want to impact your own reach right away, get our free action guide from this episode at convertkit.com reach, or just click the link in your podcast player. Now let's find out how Abby and Donnie achieved their reach. Welcome, Donnie and Abby Lawson. Thanks for being here today. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us. Hey, so you guys work together and and on your own a little bit. I would love if you could share with the Reach crew the way that you work and what you're working on every day. Sure. So I always say that the reason this works, that we can both kind of work together is because we have really complementary skill sets. So I really love the like content creation and I don't mind being in front of people and kind of being the face of the thing. And Donnie doesn't like any of that. And he likes more of the behind the scenes stuff. He is really good at like research and systems and just making sure we have all our ducks in a row. And I just kind of, I'm kind of fly by the seat of my pants and just go do whatever. And so he keeps us organized. So we each kind of do our own thing. And when it comes together, it all it all works out. So. Yeah, honestly, I can't imagine us doing what we do. Like if we had the same type of personality, like if we both kind of wanted to be out there and be the face of the thing, I just, I don't know if it would work nearly as well, you know, as it does, does now, you know, I don't, I don't want any attention. I'm perfectly happy being behind the scenes with saying I just like attention. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit, but I, I like, I really enjoy the, the big picture strategy stuff, but you know, as far as content creation, that's uh, that's on Abby. She's, she's the writer. She's the speaker. She can do all that way better than I ever could. So it, it really works out. Well, let's talk about the the content and where the blog originated from some of those early posts. And, you know, we've had a few guests who are like, well, I, I started on Blogspot in 1997 with a different URL. And, you know, can you share some of that those early days journey and what that looked like? And were you working together on on the thing at the time? Um, well, it mostly started out as kind of my thing. I, Donnie was, you know, working in the corporate world and I was a stay at home mom at the time to our two boys and was just kind of looking for an outlet, a creative outlet 
place to use my brain, something to do. Not that they don't challenge my brain, they do. It's just in a different way. <laughs> so I kind of on a whim was like, hey, I think I might try blogging. I didn't even really know what blogging was, but it looked fun. So I was like, I'm going to try that. And I did ask Donnie to set it up for me. He, One of his roles is to do all of the tech things because I tend to break stuff if I try that. So he did like set, up, set it up tech-wise for me. But for the first, I don't know, year or so, it was pretty much just me posting. And I, did, I wasn't even focused like at all. And I didn't even know what a niche was. I just posted like whatever, like this is, you know, a project I did with my kids. And now here's our bedroom that I decorated. And now here's something I learned about budgeting. Like it was just kind of all over the map. And so I did that for about the first year. And then I think what really got you into it was when I asked Donnie, he like keeps all of our files and stuff for our family and all of that digitally. Like we don't have a filing cabinet. And so he has this whole elaborate system that he uses. And so I asked him to write a post about it because I thought it was pretty unique the way that he keeps all of that organized. And so he did. And it kind of took off and it was kind of the first post we made some affiliate commissions from it. It was like the first time we were like, oh, like we can make money from this thing. And that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, how, it was, I think that was February of 2014. Yeah. So it was just like, I started in January, 2013. So a little over a year. So and that I, got me interested when we earned when we earned a little bit of money. Yes, right, like, people oh. are like, "How do I get my husband to blog with me? Get show him how like the money starts coming." That that's that's how it worked for us. So yeah, absolutely. And I think that's actually the the driving factor for a lot of bloggers. It's like, oh, this little hobby thing can earn me money. Well, how can I do more of that? So so what did you what did you do, Donnie, when you were like, oh wait we just earn money from that post of me just literally writing out exactly what I do. And it seems, seems obvious to you, but, and it's, you know, it's very, fairly simple to write out because it's something that's so natural, comes so naturally to you. And then you made money off of it. So then, then what was your next thought about that? Yeah, no. And I think even, even before that, it's important that like, even, even in the back of my mind, I knew how much Abby was enjoying the whole blogging process. We weren't making any money from it and she was putting a ton of time into it for over a year, but I, I just knew how much she enjoyed that. So I made sure to like encourage her to keep going, to keep going. Cause in the back of my head, I knew that, you know, eventually this would be a success. It was just a matter of time, but yeah, that it was, it was that post on going paperless that kind of kickstarted that I would say, but you know, we, I just wrote down, my process for going paperless, something that was very obvious to me. And, you know, I, I tried as hard as I could in that post to, to teach, just, you know, give, give everything away. It was, um, you know, really, really long post, but for whatever reason, it resonated with people and, you know, it kind of, kind of took off from there. But, um, you know, it, it, I, I think a lot of people who, who blog and who have eventually turned turned their blogs into a business? I think a lot of them do have kind of that point where where something just clicks and they realize, hey, this this actually could happen. Because then you, after that post, kind of you started kind of becoming like the business manager type person yeah, you, behind you, it and doing me, more yeah. research and becoming more involved at that point. I think at that point you came to me. And said like officially, hey Donnie, like do you officially want to help me? You with said this? no. I, did I say no? <laughs> yeah. Can I hire you? You're like I'm really busy at work. 
work. So I don't know if we should do this, but I convinced him of it. I'm pretty convincing. So I convinced <laughs> him eventually. <laughs> and we did. Well, and so, and it was around that time too that you started encouraging me to write my first ebook, which we did. I kind of did, again, I did like the content creation side. He kind of did the research um, and figure out how to market it. And so we started doing that and launched it in June of 2014. And that was kind of another kind of defining moment for our business, like launching our first product and having our first, that was the first month where it was kind of like we made a pretty good income that month from the blog. And what's funny is that was after reading and going through Nathan, Nathan Barry's authority ebook. And and we based our, our very first launch off of everything we learned with authority and it worked. And, and I would say that really, we, we really felt like a business at that point. We had our own product that we were selling and it was going great. So that was, that was definitely a, probably the second big, uh, big turning point. And was that the paper free home book? No, that came, that came later. We, we expanded that, that really long post on going paperless into an ebook and, uh, and a course, but no, the very first ebook was uh, was called building a framework. Everything I learned my first year of blogging, and mm. uh, and Abby released that in, in June of in June of 2014. You said earlier, Donnie, you knew that this was going to eventually be a thing. You could see that that you'd be earning income from your blog or from from the blog. And I wonder, there's so many so many people who have blogs and they they don't see that. They don't see how an income's possible. They don't know about how to build and launch an ebook. Were you diving into those things as like a hobby? I mean, you were still working full time. So was there, were there other bloggers you followed at the time, either of you, that you you were like, well, they're earning money, so this could actually be a thing? What gave you that instinct? Well, Donnie has had, I never, I don't think I have like an entrepreneurial bone in my body. <laughs> um, I never like, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. Now I do. <laughs> but I never started out that way. But Donnie has always been interested in online business. And ha- even like before I started my blog, his like followed that world and, you know, followed Pat Flynn and read, you know, stuff from all those guys who are still like legends today. And so that was kind of, you've always kind of been interested in that. Yeah. I was the type of guy who would start a project and get really excited about something. And then like five hours later, like I would, I would be, I would be done with it. Like I just had no follow through with that because writing didn't come naturally. I didn't like, I didn't like any attention on me. And so, yeah, I I was always behind the scenes researching and figuring things out and and looking at different business strategies that Abby and I could implement because I knew, honestly, my job is easy. There's a lot more people like me that are really interested in this stuff and, and like all the online business strategy, but there are much fewer people that are like Abby who are just absolutely relentless, like year after year, post after post, hour after hour for years that she's just relentless. And I knew like she had that type of personality. I didn't have that. I, n- I never will have that, that relentless attitude about it. So I knew that if I could, you know, if I could kind of steer things in a direction that made sense business wise, we could have something pretty special on our hands. But yeah, I mean, I, I followed Nathan for a long time. I mean, all, all those other people were, were definitely, definitely important for you, kind of shaping our strategy. We knew pretty early on that we, 
it, it was kind of interesting in Abby's niche, which is home decor, organizing that type of thing. For the longest time, no one, no one created their own digital products. Their 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 sole source of income was from ad revenue. Th- those type of blogs generally get do really well with page views, you know, organizing, decorating that type of thing. But no one was taking advantage of that by creating their own products. And so I knew that we had a tremendous opportunity to to not just depend on ad revenue, which we don't, we don't have ads anymore, but at the time we did, to not just depend on ad revenue, but to create and sell our own digital products. Yeah, I know that that is a definite talking point, especially in that niche of do we have ads? Do we do sponsored posts? I know Young House Love has taken a real strong stance on not doing that stuff and and focusing on their books and their own promotional work. And that's definitely helped them grow their brand. Other people have grown their brand through through ads. And so what was your deciding factor? You had ads and then now you don't. How did you feel about having ads to begin with? And and then why did you decide to move away from them and and toward the the self-created products? I would say we're not like totally anti-ads at all in general. For a while, I mean, when I was first getting started, that was my most consistent form of income for a while, you know, before we started figuring things out with affiliates and our own products. And so I think it kind of helped keep the blog afloat for a while and it worked for that time period there. I mean, we worked with Ad Thrive eventually, which is an ad company. They managed our ads for us and really helped us like maximize our revenue with what we were willing to do. We we always had very minimal ads on our site, even when we did have them. Um, and so Ad Thrive helped us maximize, you know, our revenue in those spots that we were willing to have. But then eventually, as we have launched more and more products and those have kind of become the focus, we kind of wanted to make those kind of the only thing that we had on our sidebar yeah, um, is running our own, your own ads or our ad spots for things that we chose ourselves deliberately because they're products that we, you know, stand behind and support. So we just got rid of ads, I don't know, in the middle of July. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty recent. And, and I don't think ads are the wrong business strategy for everyone. I mean, there, there's some niches which just by, by their nature have really, really high page views, but it's, but it's more difficult to sell a product. And, and there's some people out there that just love blogging. They love writing. They love taking pictures. They love putting it together. They love telling their story and they just want to write blog posts. And for them, you know, if they're getting, if they're getting a million page views a month, the, you know, the ads, the ads can support them. Uh, there, there's most niches, however, it's, it's, it's harder to get that type of traffic. So it, you know, you can't support yourself with uh, with just ad revenue. So I don't think it's a bad strategy for everyone. But when we got to the point where we had our own products to sell and multiple products to sell, it just made more sense to focus on those versus advertising on our site for other people's stuff through, you know, through all these different ad networks. So not to go too deep into the authority framework, since it is a product of Nathan's and people can definitely pick it up if they if they're interested. But I would love to know 
your take as you launched that first ebook? What was your strategy? Did you already have an email list going? What did that look like to to launch your first product and start to start to replace that ad revenue with with your own product revenue? So we didn't really know what we were doing at all <laughs> when we first started. <laughs> right? We did have an email list. It was not extremely focused. I, you know, had made a freebie and people were signing up for it. It wasn't really related to the ebook that we were writing at all, but we, you know, we were getting, we had a list. So I think we had like 6,000 people on our list by the time we launched Framework the first time. So, I mean, it wasn't big at all, but. That's big for a lot of bloggers though. That's a good size email list and people have definitely launched products with smaller lists than 6,000. Oh yeah, 6, for sure. Yeah. And I would say if your list is also focused, you can launch with definitely much smaller than that. Mm. Ours is kind of like mm-hmm. all over the map. So so we did utilize email. You know, I did posts like leading up to the launch of building a framework that related to it and kind of talked about it and got people excited about it. The day of the launch, we had like, what, 15 <laughs> 10, 10 to 15, I was on like 10 to 15 other blogs that day, either like guest posting and I did a podcast interview and I had people who had read it beforehand, write review posts that went up that day. So I really tried to kind of be everywhere. Also, I made a list before the launch day. I made a list of like 50 of my friends in my niche that I, I emailed each of them personally that day and was like, hey, would you mind helping me out and sharing this for me, this my ebook launch today? And I gave them like pre-written tweets and Facebook messages and, you know, stuff that they could just throw up very easily to help me get the word out. And I think almost all of them helped and did that. So you had good relationships. I had, with them. yeah, good relationships with people that really helped me out and to spread the word on the launch day and everything like that. But it wasn't. It was really It was not simple. a super complicated launch strategy at all. We were kind of just figuring it out as we went along. And one of the things that really stuck out with, you know, we, we based a lot of it off of what we learned from uh, Nathan in Authority. And in that book, he tells this story about, you know, how he launched multiple digital products. They had done really well. And so he was launching, you know, like another, some type of class or course or program. And he's like, okay, you know, I'll just email my list when it's ready and I'll make all these sales. And he did that and he, I think he had like zero sales or one, I forget the story, just very few sales or no sales. And he said that he made the mistake of not having a buildup period. So we made sure, you know, when Abby went away to write the book for the first time, she was taking pictures of herself, like you're in the hotel room writing and kind of like teasing it and like building up for, you know, a good couple of months before the launch so that we had so many people that were kind of ready and waiting on launch day. And I think that really helped. Another interesting thing we did is, you know, since this was our first product launch, we we really had zero confidence. Like we had no idea if this would work. <laughs> Not too many people in Abby's in Abby's niche were were making digital products. So we used a, a pay what you want pricing strategy with Gumroad, and we said, hey, this is this is twenty four dollars, but you know you can pay what you want if you think that's too much or you, or you can't afford that. Pay whatever you want. And so I think that that was also something that was pretty unique. So I think some people were talking about it. We we ended up averaging about $10 per sale. I mean, the vast majority of people, not not the majority of people would pay like a dollar, but then there's always the people that paid 24, some would pay 50, they would pay extra. Yeah. And so it, it averaged out to about, 
$10. I think I think ten dollars yeah. a sale. But it's good that you gave a a value and said this is how much it is. If you want to just pay that, great. Um, but there's also a pay what you want. I, I was listening to an interview with um, Glennon Doyle Melton from Monastery, and she she talked about doing these fundraising things that she does. And she says no one can contribute more than twenty five dollars. And for a for a fundraising type thing, and and really even for a sale to just put a price on something and say this is how much it is, and you can do more or less, but let's it it, it is twenty four dollars. Then it gives people some kind of point. If you don't tell them, then they they wonder the whole time. Like, yeah, am I am giving I, too much? Am I, am I giving too underbidding? little? Underbidding. Yeah, yeah. So so to give a, a price point is a really great way to do that. Pay what you want. And then of course there's like Jason Zook's bump sale m- model. Oh yeah. Uh huh. So where you know you, every purchase it adds a dollar to the price. Um, so that's kind of fun. I think for a lot of lower price products, some of those unique methods like pay what you want pricing and bump sale type stuff. I think that's underutilized. I don't I don't know that with with pay what you want pricing if it if it works well for higher price products, but for something like an ebook, I, I think it really is underutilized. I, you know, I think there's a lot of people who would generate a lot of goodwill with their audience by using that strategy and honestly they may end up making more income that way yeah like you said some people paid 50 bucks so exactly um did was that for a set period during your launch or is it still a pay what you want price yeah we did it for four months we left it pay what you want which i mean looking back on it we should not have probably done it that (laughs) long but we i don't know we had just for me i kept getting emails from people that they would like pour out their whole life story to me and like say, thank you so much for like making this available. And I've always wanted to start a blog, but I never could have afforded the $24. So like those types of emails alone, like made that whole pay what you want thing worth to me. We might have left. I mean, we probably did leave money on the table, but at the same time, like we also got to connect with people, I think in a different way and just relate to people and like, I don't know, that was, that made it worth it for me. You also got a whole bunch of testimonials um, that you might not have otherwise had for your very first ebook. Yep. Yeah. For sure. That's cool. Okay, cool. So so you launched your ebook, started to replace your ad revenue, and and then you you guys have more ebooks now. Um, you have more products. And Donnie, uh, you ended up leaving the corporate world. And I think that this is a, a point that comes up a lot for our listeners, our audience of bloggers who are in a relationship and there's either they are a partial contributor to the household income with their job or or their partner is the main contributor to the income and they want to support that. So it's one thing when you are your own you're on your own and you can make your own decisions. Do I leave my job and go full time with this blog? Have I saved up enough money to do that? And you're just kind of, you know, making your own decisions. But when you have a partner and children and mortgages and those things, it becomes a little more complicated. So can you guys share a little bit about that process for the two of you to go through and and the, you know, the highs and lows of it? So we had always had this plan 
to, you know, after we, after we launched the first couple of digital products, I think we've got like five or six now I've lost track. Anyways, we, <laughs> like Abby and I would always like after work, you know, it's late at night, we're working on the business and we'd always talk, Hey, maybe at the end of 2015, you can leave your corporate job and we'll have things built up and, and you can do this, you know, full time. And so this is in 2014, we're talking like this. Okay. End of 2015. Well, it turns out in was it January? January of, 20. January of 2015, I was actually laid off from my corporate job. The ind- industry I was in had a pretty big downturn, and they laid off it. My company laid off a ton of people, and so Abby and I had our little pity party moment for like a day, and then we were like, you know what? Like this is about 12 months earlier than we wanted, but like let's see if we can make this work. And and we'd already proven ourselves that we could earn a consistent income. I think before that, it wasn't anything that would replace my, my salary. But so we decided to just say, okay, like we're assuming we're not going to go, I'm not going to go back to work. Let's just like jump in and, uh, and make this happen. So we were, we were kind of you know, I, I don't want to say that we were like super brave and I quit my job. No, we were kind of <laughs> <laughs> we were thrown into a baptism by fire. I mean, well, was- but do you think that you would have actually quit at the end of 2015? Because that's the other thing is we get in these jobs with regular paychecks and and our blog starts making money and and we think, oh, well, we can have the best of both worlds. And yeah, I'll quit one day. And then it's three years later and you never have actually quit. So do you think you would have quit if you hadn't been fired? That's a really good point. And it's hard to say, but yeah, like at that point, my corporate salary kept going up. Like it was, you know, really good income and everything. So it would have been hard to just walk away from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you being able to devote full-time hours to the blog... And me too, like us both being able to do that, like devote full-time hours to it definitely made it grow faster Oh, yeah, absolutely. than if you sure. had just been working on it on the side with your corporate job. So it's hard to know how, like if the blog would have been, you know, at the same point. If it would have been know. there. I mean, it was scary we'll with, with like health insurance <laughs> and kids and mortgage and like, I mean, we had no idea what would happen. And so I, I am th- looking back. I'm very thankful we didn't have to make that decision. Someone else made it for us <laughs> because we don't know what would have happened otherwise. I'll tell you, Donnie, the same thing happened to me um, oh, right. when I started. My blog was because I was laid off from my position. Um, the company was changing, changing roles around. And and yeah, I don't know that I would have made the leap on my own either. Sometimes it takes that little push, that outside force. Yeah. But like Abby said, uh, you Having both of you really put your all into the blog really helped it grow. And you said earlier, Abby has that dedication to writing and, you know, post after post, year after year. And that like that kind of butt in seat mentality of I'm going to I'm going to make this a thing and and being the face of it and being the words on the blog. And you've definitely written more on the blog Donnie than maybe you even intended to. But can you can you guys talk a little bit about that dedication and you know when it gets hard? Because there's there's those challenging times. I mean, we you have sick kids or you want to take a vacation or you know uh, you have another child. Um, those those times where you want to spend a little time away from the blog. And how have you maintained the consistency and and the passion for it throughout the last what three four years 
Yeah. I mean, I would just say, well, blogging for everybody, whether you're doing it full time or, you know, it's a hobby, it's kind of like a roller coaster. I feel like, like one day you feel like my page views are up and everybody's reading my stuff and everybody likes it. And then the next day somebody changes an algorithm and your page views drop and you think well, everything you're doing stocks and, you know, like it, it's just a roller coaster. I think the advantage to having two of us is that, you know, kind of the times where I'm because I'm more connected to like the content and, you know, the feedback. Donnie's really good at kind of just letting that all roll off his back. But the times where I am feeling like I'm terrible at this, like, why do I even have a blog? Let's just go get real jobs. He's really good about like, no, you know, we've built this thing and, you know, we've come so far and, you know, it, we might, we might be feeling like it's a little downturn now, but you know, we're going to, it's going to come back up again. And it always does. And same thing, like sometimes he's feeling discouraged about something or other that, you know, maybe didn't turn out the way that we thought it was going to. And then, you know, I can be the one to say, you know, let's just keep going, keep after it and, you know, do what we know and it will, it will all work out. And it has. And I think it's important too, Abby, that you, even if, even if a blog didn't make any money, you would still be blogging about, about what you, you would still be decorating the house. You would still be organizing everything and taking pictures and you would still be writing that all down because you love what you're writing about and you love what you blog about. And so I think, I think that's an important piece too. I, I don't think it's hard to kind of replace that that passion. If it was just about the numbers, you know, honestly, our business could be even further ahead today if we decided to blog less. I mean, that's, you know, we could, we could put our attention towards so many different other opportunities we have in business, but like Abby just loves that the, the whole process of, of writing, of writing posts and putting it out into the world. And so I think, you know, she, she always falls back on that when she gets discouraged or when she gets burnt out, like that's, that's her default mode of, of just writing and posting. So, you know, I think it's a challenge in some ways, but she loves it at the same time. And such an important lesson though, that whatever your topic is, not, not choosing your topic because it's going to make a ton of money or because you've seen someone else writing about it and thought, Oh, I could do that. But choosing a topic because, you would write about it whether it made money or not. And 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 that is what leads to the consistency over time, what leads to getting through the roller coaster ride, what what leads to the ultimate success because you have the passion behind it. Everyone throws that word passion around so easily, but it's truly when you when you would write about it, whether anyone read it or not, that's that's the passion. Yeah, that's that's uh that's very true. So you have those roller coaster times. You have the the highs and the lows. And I'm sure that with all the content that you've put out, you know, you talked about how the the going paperless post is kind of one of the biggest posts on on your blog and has reached a lot of people. Talk to me about one of the the posts that you wrote that you maybe just like fell in love with or were really excited to share and just didn't see that same kind of response from your audience that that you wish more people knew about. You know, it's interesting. I, I think, yeah, you can't plan to a T like what's going to take off and what's what's not. That has been one of the things that, you know, we've learned over and over again. I'm always surprised kind of. So I we write a lot about decor. And so 
in that vein, we do a lot of like room makeovers and that sort of thing. And it always surprises me that usually like one of the small projects, usually one that is like so small that I almost didn't post about it, but like I needed materials. So I posted it. Those types of smaller projects will take off more than like the actual reveal of the room itself. So like you, you know, do all this work and put in all this effort on, you know, the final room. And, you know, people you usually get a lot of comments and people like it. And the the day it goes live or in you know, the couple of days after you might like see a, a bump in traffic from it. But then typically for the long haul, those aren't, at least on my blog, those aren't the posts that kind of take off. It's those little projects that people think like they feel like, oh, I can do that. The more simple things where you're teaching something. Where I'm teaching, yeah, teaching something or showing people how to do something very specific that take off more than the room reveal one. So that always surprised me because I always thought, like, oh, if you're in decor, then like the room reveals are gonna be the bread and butter of your traffic, and they're typically not, at I mean, least on my site. Yeah, an interesting example of that is, you know, there's entire like room makeover posts with like dozens of beautiful pictures that Abby's, you know, it, it takes a day or more to, to take these pictures and edit them. And then part of that whole room makeover, we, you know, we'll redo the baseboards. So we'll write a post, we wrote a post like how to paint and patch your baseboards. It's just this tiny little thing. You know, we think everyone knows how to like paint their baseboards. But, you know, also, like I literally wrote a post about watching paint dry. Like, yeah, I thought this is like the most boring post ever. And then, but you know, year after year, it just it gets tons of it gets tons of traffic from Pinterest. Whereas that the the entire room reveal kind of you know kind of dies down after a pretty short short period of time. But that you know, I don't think that's to say that you know that the smart or maybe the smart business owner would say, well, hey, you know, maybe that's a hint. Like maybe you should only focus on these simple little tutorials. Well, that like completely takes the joy out of, you know, what Abby does and why she loves to do it. So, you know, we, we try not to look at everything from just a purely business perspective. We're, we're in this for the long haul, trying to go grow a brand, you know, and obviously we there's business considerations for everything we publish, but it's not just about you know, the immediate business impact of, of what we're writing. Well, and it's that 80-20 principle a bit. Um, like you said, Donnie, the posts where you're actually teaching something like the how to finish your baseboards is a, a more of a teaching post, but it's part of the overall room reveal. The The final room reveal post isn't necessarily teaching. It's uh, not that it's about Abby, not that it's about you, but it's not about the reader at that point. I mean, they they maybe have invested some interest in those those smaller posts throughout, but it's those posts that are about the reader that seem to be shared more often, that get more traction, that people send to other people um, because they get such value from it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's I, I think it's important for a lot of people to to kind of balance out the inspirational type post or aspirational type post maybe where, you know, it's a story there, there's nice pictures, balance that out with like the, the nuts and bolts, like how to, and the very helpful posts. I think, and I think you need both. I, I, I do think you need both. You know, one may not get the traffic and may not do as well in the long term, but it helps readers connect with you better. Mm -hmm. And so that those, those how to, those teaching type posts 
will then resonate even more and, and they'll be more likely to take that advice and put it into place because they feel like they know you and they trust you because of the the inspirational type posts. Absolutely. And having that balance, because if all you ever had was the how to's, I mean, even even uh, like this old house, which is very how to focused, they do the they do the house reveals. That's definitely part of of their brand too. So I think I've seen would... that show in forever. I used to, <laughs> I, I actually, I used to watch that. I can still, I can still oh, hear their, their Boston accent. You can hear their accent, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I used to watch that show all the time, and but you're right. There's there's very little. I, I can't think of a thing out there that's successful that is only aspirational or only how to you need a balance of of the both and so you guys have that you have the balance of those two and then you mentioned earlier abby that at the beginning you were kind of blogging about just whatever happened throughout your day and all these different ideas um and something that tara gentile talked about on the show recently was you know honing down your your concepts and your your content so that you're really covering more specific topics and that your audience can get used to seeing certain things from you and then when you because if you come out of left field with like a a random post about something that has nothing to do with the last six posts it's very confusing so how did you land on decor and and the that style of post versus some of the other things you were writing about in the earlier days? Well, I just think it was a process of both figuring out, like I got to try out a lot of things that first year when, you know, I didn't have a ton of readers, which was probably a good thing because I was just kind of um, trying things out. And so it was a combination of seeing what I enjoyed, you know, writing about and the projects I enjoyed the most and what my readers seem to respond to and like the best. So I started out just writing about whatever. And then I kind of realized, oh, okay, I do like the home stuff the most. So let's focus more on that. And then as I wrote more about the home stuff, I figured out, well, I really kind of like to do an organization type bent on the home stuff. So that became kind of my main focus. So organization, home, and then, you know, we've always for a couple of years had, you know, the transparent business where we kind of share what's going on behind the scenes as well. And so that's always been part of the brand. So that's kind of what we landed on and kind of finally feel like that's, that's okay. That's where we're going to stay. And that's, that's just who, that's who we are and, and what our brand's going to be about. So it was definitely a process. And I think there, you know, I know a lot of people always talk about, and there's a, there's a lot of truth to this. Hey, you know, you have to niche down. You gotta, you gotta be more focused. Every, everything's just going to be better if you're, if you're really, really focused. And I think that's true in a lot of ways, but I also think there's some advantages of being, you know, you can't be crazy broad and just have all these random things, but if it's more of like a lifestyle brand, I think, I don't think Abby likes it when I use that term, but if you're, if you're, li- you don't make me post my outfits. I'm not good at that. <laughs> That's what I think of. But if there's like, if there are some advantages to, to blogging about multiple topics. And I think as long as you can find a way to kind of fit that together, I think that's great. You know, for instance, us, you know, the decor is big, but Abby organize or Abby writes about organizing as well. And that, that fits together. Great. You know, people want to decorate their house, but they also want it to be organized. So 
Um, and the paperless stuff that kind of fits in with the organization. And then what's interesting, and Abby and I found that there's a lot of people out there that read the blog, the organizing and the decorating, and they're interested in starting their own blog. They want to create a outlet. They want to do something similar. And so then we, you know, we have that portion of the audience that's interested in, in doing a similar thing to what Abby's doing. So yeah, there are, there are, we're, we're not super focused and, and I think that's okay. We always say our lives could be maybe simpler if we were super focused, but, but we, I don't know. I think it's important. Like we have to, I don't, this is what we love. And this is the combination that we've like, I don't know, seems to work for us and kind of under the umbrella. When we rebranded earlier this year, we, our tagline became creating a beautiful, thriving home life and business. And I really think like that's who we are in our everyday life. And that's kind of what happens on the blog as well. And so everything kind of falls under that umbrella. And it's interesting too, you know, we try and listen to the audience as well. You know, we, we do surveys and it, it always is interesting to me how, how much overlap there is. You know, we, we, we want to write what people, what people want to read. And the same people that are interested in decorating are also interested in organizing. They're also interested in productivity. They're also interested in time management. So, you know, while those are completely different topics, uh, the same person who's part of Abby's audience may be interested in, you know, three out of four of those things or, or two out of two out of four. And, and so that's, it's, it's fine. They're not so, the topics aren't so random where it, it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, so I, I think, I think it works pretty well. Yeah, we're, we are multidimensional human beings. That's who's reading your blog. They're not like stick figure avatars who only want one thing out of life, you know? So uh, I think that's important to remember too when you're blogging is that there are real people on the other side of the screen and they they have all those different facets just like you do. And so as long as they they tie together and, you know, you you mentioned five or six or 12 or however many info products you have now, um, ebooks and, and different products. And talk a little bit for me about how you have those all threaded together with the blog content and the email list opt-in. And because I think that's something that is a sticking point for a lot of people of, well, I have this free opt-in about this thing that's unrelated to my course or my product. So I don't really know how to then send all of those people emails that push them into the course because they signed up for this opt-in that's about something totally different. So um, how do you manage between your free opt-ins to your email list and then emails that direct people into the paid products? That's a great question. And we try to keep it um, pretty simple. For each product, we like to have one, one primary, you know, lead magnet or opt-in or, or funnel, you know, maybe an email course. So, um, you know, we don't, we don't have like a, a single uh, email funnel that's trying to sell like three or four different things. You know, for each product, we like to have one funnel, one entry point primarily. So we can kind of keep things separated that way. And, and then, and then people, people, um, get into these different, uh, these different email funnels from various places. You know, we, we just mention them throughout posts related, related to the product. We make sure that we go back and edit, edit old posts to get lots of traffic. And then people find their way into those, those various funnels. 
some some love the free content and and never become customers but a good portion of them are kind of walk through that journey and then ultimately become uh, become a customer so it is a little bit tricky when you have multiple products about multiple topics um, but I think if people keep it simple and just have one funnel for one product and and divide things up that way it's it's not too it's not too hard and, and convert kit makes that a lot easier well and along with that everybody is like has their own tags in ConvertKit, but they everybody also goes on to my main list. I always say nobody escapes my main list. Everybody <laughs> is also dumped onto there. And I send like a weekly email to everybody. That's just, it kind of is like either something new that's going on on the blog or I'll highlight an, an old popular post that, you know, people might not have seen. It's literally like 300 words. Um, and I send it once a week just to like keep in touch. That also allows me to like make announcements if we have products coming out or if I'm doing a webinar that I want to invite them to, I can do it in that. And everybody uh, kind of gets in on that. And I think it helps people get to know us and get to know our brand. And maybe if they join my list because they were interested in organization, but, you know, get that Saturday email and I mentioned, oh, hey, I'm doing this webinar about starting a blog, you know, they might come to that too. So that was, it's kind of a good way to tie everybody together. We have everything segmented in ConvertKit. So depending on the links they click, they'll be assigned a certain tag, like interest, decorating, interest, organizing, interest, blogging and online business, interest, paperless. And so just depending on people's actions in some of the newsletters, we can kind of um, put people into uh, into different buckets. And so then when there's a new product that that's that's going to be released relating to one of those certain areas, we'll know exactly who we should be emailing and probably who we shouldn't be emailing. Mm, yeah, that's so true. And when they're also on the main list and you're sending them or, you know, the main they get on your newsletter tag, they're hearing from you on a regular basis. So they're not just hearing from you when you have something to sell them, that they're developing that relationship long term with you. They're used to seeing you in their in, in their inbox. They want to open emails from you. So that when you do have something to sell them, it's not a stranger at the door, but a friendly face. And that's that consistency piece that goes back to Abby's writing and um, and that dedication on on creating content goes as far as your your emails you send on a weekly basis. So that's an important piece for email marketing because it's something that, you know, people say, oh, well, I'm blogging five days a week and, uh, you know, that I'm consistent there. But if you aren't staying in touch with your readers and your readers can join an email list that you can stay in touch with them on. Um, that makes it even more challenging then when you do have something to sell to turn around and and offer it to them um, and to have them, ex- you know, receive it well as as something that they're interested in. Um, and you can't do those those build up sequences and things like that that you talked about um, with the the ebook launch either. So so that's super smart to not let them escape, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and even even more than just you know staying in touch and product launches, email we found is also really helpful for increasing blog traffic. A, a lot of people, if you've been if if people have been blog have five hundred plus posts, I don't even know how many. Abby has and has been blogging for multiple years. New readers a lot of times will never will never know some of the older posts that are fantastic that Abby has written. So 
we, you know, we, we've implemented strategies where new subscribers um, get put into a sequence where they're introduced over the course of a few weeks to the very best of the old content. And so we've seen, we've seen some old pieces just get a lot of traffic. They get more shares that way. Things can go viral. And so email is, I think email marketing is an important, important part of, of just overall blog traffic as well. That's so true. Sharing those old pieces is like, it's magic because you don't have to write anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the the secret trick for bloggers everywhere is to, you know, find your your top 10, go into your Google Analytics and find your, your top 10 posts and start resharing those, whether it's through an intro sequence or adding them into your social media plan or, you know, but getting them out there in front of people again, because they're being found on a regular basis. So why not give them a little love of your own. Yeah, cool. So thank you both so much for sharing your insights around growing a blog and, um, you know, the daily dedication that it takes, the partnership that that you have behind it and and your commitment to your audience, because that is that is evident in everything that you do. And I think that's what's helped you achieve the reach that you have today. So thanks for being here on the show today. And we at ConvertKit just love having you uh, in our family. And we hope that more and more people find your blog through it. Thank you. We're thankful for you guys too. You've made a huge impact on our business. So thank you for all you do for bloggers. Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. That was Abby and Donnie Lawson of Just a Girl and Her Blog. You can find out more about Abby and Donnie, including how to go paperless in your house at justagirlandherblog.com. Grab our free action guide from this episode to help you impact your own reach today. Head to convertkit.com slash reach or simply click the link provided right in your podcast player. It's time to expand your reach. We're so glad you started here. Thanks for listening. <laughs>